We are working our way through Colossians, so if you have your Bibles with you this morning, I'll ask you to turn to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, and you're going to say, Mark, how in the world are you going to get 20 minutes of teaching out of one verse? Believe you me, it's, it's, it's possible, and it's... Um, it, but it's 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 so packed here. Um, well, I'll just do my best to try and unpack it all for you. Colossians chapter three, verse twelve. Let me start by giving you a quote from Oswald Chambers: "Beware of paying attention or going back to what you once were. Beware of paying attention." Or going back to what you once were when God wants you to become something that you've never been. God wants you to become something that you never have been. We're working our way again uh, through Colossians. Look with me with verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy, dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, Humility, gentleness, and patience. Earlier we saw, I just need my, I just need this, I had a bloody nose on the way over. I don't know how that happened, but. uh, Earlier in the chapter, uh, particularly verse 8, he tells us there some things that we need to put off. Some vices and sins that are in our old nature. Put these things off, he says in verse 8. Put off these things. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language. Out of your mouth. These are, again, the old man, the old self, the old flesh. Remember that when we come to Christ, we're not, uh, we're not improvements. We're not recycled material. We're not retreads. He makes us brand new, folks. We are brand new. We are made differently. We come to verse 12. Come to verse 12 to discover the differences that Christ has made in our lives. What do we see? We find find three things. We find something beautiful that Christ has done in your life and in my life if we know Him. But the main main one that I really want to just unpack for us this morning as we look at verse 12 is the holiness of Christ Himself here on planet Earth and more specifically, His holiness in you and in me. Let's pray together. Father, I thank You and praise You again for this time for your word, particularly this verse, Lord, that as we unpack this and unfold it, that your holiness, your holiness, Lord God, in Jesus Christ, fills each one of us in this room this morning. And we'll praise you and thank you to that end in Jesus' name. Amen. What is this verse not saying? We'll, we'll, go, we'll look at it negative, in the negative light, and then we'll um, just briefly, though. Um, what is this verse not saying? Johnny, 
you're, you're going to be a good boy. You're, you're going to go to Aunt Sue's and be on your best behavior. You, you're not going to throw balls in the house. You're not going to fight with your brother Scotty. And, and always remember to say please and thank you. This verse is not saying that. It, it's not referring to law or a law or the law. This verse is not a new version of the Ten Commandments that Moses received in the Old Testament. They're not even an updated uh, New Testament form, like, um, Thou shalt not be angry, thou shalt be kind, thou shalt be nice to your neighbor sort of thing. No, no, it's, it's not any of that. Because if we look at that, this, this, becomes, this becomes the most difficult verse in all of Scripture. It's giving us hope. And the hope is this. It's something so precious and so true. Because if we, if we quickly look at it, we may think, um, well, I know that. I'm not supposed to be bad anymore. I'm a Christian now. And, um, well, it's, it's high time I just start living that way. That's what, it's not what this verse is telling us. But the point is this. This is, this is it right here. That it's the holiness of Christ, the holiness of Christ in me. It's beautiful. It's awesome. It's the most wonderful, glorious thing on earth. So, Mark, what does the holiness of Christ, what's it look like? Well, when somebody tells you the word holy, what, what conjures up in your mind? What do you think of when somebody says holy? Could it be that um, far away monk that's um, on some forsaken island, he's, he's just there, he's up on that mountain, and he's... he's He's just, he's just meditating all day long. He's far away, unreachable, kind of like one of those um, people groups, or he's in that people group of the, of the uh, Eastern religion, you know, trapped in the, in the ritual and in the practice that I, I, I just need to separate myself from the rest of the world. Is that, is that what the word holy comes to you and to me? I think if we get the New Testament picture, it's all about relationship. It's how Jesus related to everybody around him. We don't see Jesus meditating all day long. He went out to the people. And yet, the people came to him as well. We find and see many times over and over again in New Testament where Jesus was so kind. He was the most compassionate man who walked on planet Earth. He was patient, like, all the time. And, and he was, like, merciful to sinners. He was humble when in actuality and in reality... Um, 
he could have been the greatest one to be proud. We, we don't find here words like cleverness and efficiency and determination. Rather, um, we find here the characteristics and, and people-oriented items or words. Christ is never alone. He's never unreachable. It's true He did go away to pray to the Father, but we see, we see in His relationship to the Father something desired by the disciples. Because of all the questions the disciples could have asked Jesus, what did they say? Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us, teach us that holy community that You have with the... We want that. It is that relationship above all others. That's what the disciples wanted as they saw Jesus. Is that what you and I want this morning as, as we meet together and go through the daily bump and grind that people are priority and, and that these, these attributes, these characteristics are in you and me as we relate to other folks and we learn more about the personhood of God. Holiness never excludes anybody. It always is personal and it includes. And and that may be a hard concept, maybe the most difficult one, that it's exclusion and inclusion at the same time. We'll take a look at it, though. We'll unpack this. We'll unfold it. And let God drive that to our hearts. For the verse says, as God's chosen people, as His holy people, as God's dearly beloved, clothe yourselves. And then this is what it looks like. Clothe yourselves with mercy, kindness, gentleness, and patience. So this morning we want to unpack three aspects, three aspects of God's people. That indeed we are chosen, we are dearly loved by Him, and He has called us to be holy. Um, back when you were um, born, I know you probably can't remember that far back, um, your parents didn't walk down the hall of the uh, hospital room and say, oh, yeah, they, they don't have this option to kind of check over the cute ones and to say, that's adorable, I want that one. <laughs> uh, no, that didn't happen, unfortunately. Or maybe fortunately for some of us, uh, that to, well, we'll let that go. Let that go. <laughs> Only they, uh, they didn't say... Well, we we just have a slew of boys. We need a girl. Let's let's go check out the cute girls and have you know adopt one. No, no, that didn't happen either. You see, your your parents dearly loved you. What they didn't do was they didn't choose you. God has chosen you and me, 
And when He chooses us, it's always personal. He, he didn't look over a group and say, I think I'll choose those that graduated in 1995. No, no, he didn't. It, it's always personal. He, he knows each one of us by name, and thus, he calls us as such. Um, the, uh, the calling of the disciples. We see them at least twice in the New Testament. Once in the, uh, in the book of Luke, chapter 5, verse 11. We, we have the picture here that Jesus is standing on the seashore and he notices two ships that are out there on the lake. <clears throat> He's not really interested in the, in the ships. He, he knows who they belong to. What he's more interested in are the fishermen in those ships. And we have specific accounts of the twelve disciples and their names. And he called them to follow him in Luke chapter 5, verse 11. Jesus saw them and called them by name. Jesus sees you and me. And He calls us to Himself. Again, inclusive, but yet exclusive. It's so personal and direct to each one of us, but yet if we go outside the walls here and we find ourselves in community of other believers, well, Jesus Christ is is ministered to, to their souls as well. So it, it's, personal, it's personal with them as well. We're chosen by God, and we've been chosen by Jesus Christ Himself as well. Lee was a nine-year-old, and he rode on one of those orphan trains in 1926, and all the children... <coughs> All the children would travel on this train and they would go from stop to stop. And every time that they would stop, they would get out on the um, platform there where, where the train the train depot, uh, the landing platform there. And, and the people of the town would come out and, and, and look over all the, all the children that needed a place to call home. Not all the children were chosen. So they'd have to get back on the train and, and make it to the next town. And the process would continue until the children would all be chosen. Think of it. Waiting. Riding for miles and miles. Waiting to be chosen. Looking at the life of the Apostle Paul, he too was chosen. His experience had been one of uh, a dramatic choosing on the road to Damascus to seek out the Christians. He never forgot what he was chosen to do. His life work was to travel and preach Christ wherever he went to tell folks that they too could belong to him. And he did it he did it to the following churches. We find in um, 
Romans. Romans chapter 8, verse 30. And having chosen us, He called us to come to Him. And we came. And He declared us not guilty. Filling us with Christ's goodness, He gave us right standing with Himself and and promised us His glory. And in verse 33, Who dares then accuse us whom God has chosen for His own? To the Ephesians, chapter 1, verse 4, Long ago, even before He made the world, He chose us to be His very own. Through what Christ would do for us, for He decided then to make us holy in His eyesight. And then Thessalonians, first book, chapter 1, verse 4, He reminds them, We know that God has chosen you, dear brothers, much beloved of God. We don't have to stop at the Apostle Paul, but Peter, too, adds. He adds in his uh, first epistle, chapter 2, verse 9, But you have been chosen by God Himself. You are priests and king. You are holy and pure. You are God's very own. Looking in the English dictionary for the word elect, it is chosen. We can think of our own election process. We vote for a particular candidate to fill a special office. But in the context that we find it here in verse 12, the office is to be filled by the child of God or the heir of Christ. And that's you and me. And God's doing the voting. He voted for you and me. I'm not even sure if your name or my name was written on the ballot. But He wrote it in. Our son Brett has been... um, playing the violin, and when he was eight, um, he auditioned for the, uh, the children's uh, debut orchestra. It's a, uh, it's a branch from the uh, Topeka Symphony. So you got the Topeka Symphony with the older adults, and this is the, uh, the little guy's um, orchestra. The first day of rehearsal, his name was announced as first chair. And first chair is a big deal. If you don't know it, it is the, um, it's the highest placement that you can have in the violin section, in the orchestra. So naturally, uh, Julie and I, we, we kind of, um, well, we shared in his joy. This is, a, this is a big deal. And then our daughter Jill, this past fall, was surprised to find out that she had been chosen as the co-captain of the basketball team that she, uh, she joined. <clears throat> totally unexpected because she had, she had actually joined the team late. Maybe you can think of your own situation where you've been chosen. How'd that make you feel? How special? Do you, th- oh, you were just special, right? <clears throat> that joy of being 
being honored. Imagine yourself um, sitting in a motel room down in Miami, Florida. You're, you're on vacation, and you receive a phone call. On the other end of the line is, um, is someone who's, who's interested in you. They're, they're interested in you in such a way that um, this, this can't be happening. This has, to be, this has to be a dream, right? Because on the other end of the line is, is your dream job. It's something you've already dreamed about. Is, is this for real? Somebody f- from the KU athletic office wants me to take a new coaching position? Uh, no. Really? Are you, are you folks for real? It's my dream job. Who wouldn't want to go to the, the second best basketball program in all of the nation? Bill Self is now the coach of the KU basketball program. There is a higher, a higher honor, and that is that God has chosen you and me. We are chosen. We're chosen by God Himself. Secondly, we're not only chosen, but He he loves us so much. Just as the Father loves the beloved Son, Jesus loves you and me. The beloved ones. We're we're not only just chosen, but folks, we are loved beyond any capacity that you and I could understand of being loved. This is love. Not that we love God, but that He first loved us. And He sent Jesus Christ to atone for our sins. 1 John is, is a really good book to uh, to learn about God's love for us. But yet it's it's throughout the entire whole of scripture. He doesn't he that does not love uh, does not know God for God is love. We take the two two words synonymously, God and love. For God is love. There is no other source of love. It is not an abstract quality somewhere out there, but it originates and exists. And it defines God. God is love. Outside of Him, it, it does not exist. And then he, uh, he does something that I'll never understand, and you probably won't either. He takes that unconditional, inexhaustible love, and He gives it to us. When Sherry and Mike first met, um, Mike had just ended an engagement. And um, the more you, you talked to Mike, the more he, he talked about his relationship that he, that he was previous one that he was involved in. And um, Sherry, Sherry got when, you know, she, she kept hearing Mike and, you know, do I want to... Do I want to be engaged to this guy, or how's this? What's this look like? Because he just he talked about that other girl a lot, and then um, she finally got 
wised up and it dawned on her that it wasn't so much that other girl that was so amazing, so lovable, so... It was almost like Mike blew it out of proportion. She came to realize it wasn't the other girl that was like, it was Mike himself. So she got to thinking, well, anybody, any girl in that situation, he will completely, he will completely devote himself and show that same kind of loyalty and, and love in that situation. Um, May 7th, that couple will, um, will they'll celebrate their anniversary um, for 15 years. Um, of course, you and I, it's not that we're lovable. Because um, sometimes we're not. But yet God is so completely so loving. And anybody in that position as his child will end up being the recipient of that unconditional, inexhaustible love. He has chosen you and me to be in, in that position. We are duly loved of God. While we may not be lovable, He is all loving. Dearly beloved, we are dearly loved by God as well. Last um, item that we want to take a look at is that um, while He has chosen us and He has certainly loved us, He has called us to be His holy people. Therefore, as this particular verse says, since this is so, we find God's purpose then in our lives is to be holy. The holiness of Christ is upon you and me. We looked at it briefly, but let's, um, let's unpack it and discover that um, the definition of Christ's holiness is this, that we indeed put on kindness, Mercy, compassion, patience, and then go and touch the sinfulness of mankind. Zacharias, the father of John the Baptist, was inspired by the Holy Spirit to to give us these words. And um, well, let me let me give them to you. That we being delivered out of the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear and in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. We can find that in Luke 1, 73 to 75. Jesus said, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and have ordained you to, that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. God has chosen us. He loves us. And now we see His desire for each one of us. His desire is that we would be holy. 
And then He gives us the means by which we may achieve it. For us to be holy, He says this, put on, put it on, put on My holiness. There is no other holiness outside that of Jesus Christ. Maybe some of you this morning are, well, you get excited about new clothes, new wardrobe. I know I would be. Um, Because it's very rare that we go shopping for... We only go shopping when, when we need to. Like tattered jeans and other things that... Well, they no longer have the appearance that they once had. He's, he's telling us this morning that we have this opportunity to have a new wardrobe. There's, there's two things that we tell our kids when they get up. And, and you may have that in your house as well. Um, make your beds and get dressed. Um, never have we ever seen the kids put clothes on over their pajamas. That, that would be a strange thing. Um, unless you're really, really cold in the winter. <laughs> but, uh, no, clothes don't go on over. The, the pajamas have to come off for cl- other clothes, appropriate clothes to be put on. And we have one that sometimes is reluctant to take the pajamas off and put the other clothes on. Um, This verse doesn't say anything about being reluctant to put it on. But what happens if we never put it on? See, I was trying to think, how would Jesus preach this verse? Well, frankly, he, He didn't have to. He wouldn't have preached. He would, he would have just simply gone and done it because that was it. He just lived it. If we take a look at wardrobe, what that is, it's two compound words put together. Ward, to guard or to keep, to watch or protect. And then a robe, just a type of dress, maybe office or rank or position. What God does in us, simply put, is just a protective covering for our position. And then he places us in his kingdom as holy people. There are two other ones that we'll focus on later on, but it's forgiving and then um, charity or love or unconditional agape love. Those are part of the wardrobe as well, and we'll get to those at a later time. But just for... um, Time this morning, we just wanted to look at these specific ones of 
being chosen, being loved, and being holy. Mark Twain, Prince and the Pauper. There's a, um, there's a poor boy named Tom. He, he wanders through the streets of London. And one autumn morning, he happens to notice a mighty and majestic palace down a quiet road. You see, Tom, Tom's always been interested, and his, his intrigue is to meet a prince. If I could just, if I could see him, touch him, just, just to know, just, he has this fantasy of, of constantly, what would it be like to be a prince? Would the desire of a soul be satisfied at last? Would he be able to see the prince now? You see, in Tom's life, there was nothing wonderful. Because he came from a family of beggars. Oh, but if I just had that chance. He approached the gilded gates and saw two guards standing there on either side, thinking thinking in his mind, oh, if I could just get close enough. And that was all that was in his mind. To get close enough to see the prince. Poor little Tom in his rags. He approached so slowly and timid. You know, just kind of that little shuffle. Oh, and his heart's beating faster. And his hopes rising. And then all but once, through the golden bars... His spec- that spectacle has caught his eyesight. All right, it's the prince. I think I'm good. It's the prince. I know it is. I know it is. Without a shadow of a question, here's this little pauper boy's prayer being answered at last. Tom, Tom sees the prince, and the prince sees Tom. And they, the more they look at each other, they're going, wow, this is, this is strange. This is weird. So the prince invites Tom to go in, into the castle. And by a strange coincidence, they, they change clothes. Tom's rags fall off and he gets the prince's robe. It's on him. And the prince, the prince takes Tom's clothes, the rags, and he puts it on him. And now we discover two different lifestyles. That the prince is thrown out into the street to be completely humiliated wearing Tom's clothes. And then Tom... Tom can't go out in the street anymore. He's, he's wearing royalty. So wearing royalty, he's, he's granted every luxury and the power of being the prince 
of the kingdom. And being the prince, he has to exercise wisdom and loyalty and purity and show mercy. Jesus Christ says here, here here is my yoke, here is my robe for you. It's easy to bear. Take my clothes of righteousness for yourself. They are clothes of kindness and mercy, gentleness and patience. You see, Tom, Tom was never to be the pauper ever again. Neither are we. Go meet the prince and put his clothes on. God has chosen you. You are dearly loved. Folks, It's time to get dressed. And one other thing, you can't change clothes. Don't ever take them off. Put them on. Never to take them off. Beware of paying attention or going back to what you once were when now God wants you to become something that you've never been. Let's pray. Father, this morning, in light of Your passage of Scripture to us this morning, Lord, that we now become all that You want us to be. Bringing You glory and honor to Your name, wearing Your clothes well. And we'll thank You and praise You in Jesus' name. Amen.